Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on Off Talk Empire, what happens when you have a national brand recruiting at a national championship level an enormous bag foisted upon your coach to fend off suitors wherever and whenever it's even necessary or not. And yet you still remain a random number generator somehow. What sort of things would prompt this today on off talk empire? Your source for big Ten talk. It's off tackle empire. Welcome to Off Talkle Empire, the only Big Ten blog left that uh, particularly cares about, well, I guess Penn State basketball, right? Um, One of two. Before we start things with things that bounce, though, we're going to talk about other things that bounce. Uh, I'm Steve Braun, Thumpasaurus. I'm with Andrew Koscheski. And today we have um, our very own uh, Mischievous, 79. Um, aka Ellie from uh, our our own ranks, our own masthead, which is wonderful because we could not get any Maryland folks on board. And the the bouncing thing I mentioned earlier here in Penn State Week is this incredible stat, which I don't know if it really occurred to you or not, but since defeating the Gers in Nunzio Campanile's final game as head coach in 2019, Penn State football lost five straight, then won their next nine games, and then, after that, lost five of their ensuing seven games. You know, it's because it's Penn State week, I almost hesitate to bring this up, but there, a couple weeks ago, was a pending contract dispute between the Vox Media Union and the company. It ended up being resolved and was not an issue, but there was a possibility that we were going to be going dark for part of Mar- at least part of Maryland week, depending on how long any work stoppage might've lasted. Uh, the inevitable result of that most likely would have been uh, having Maryland and Penn state share a week, which I'm sure fans of both schools would have loved. Uh, unfortunately we didn't get to see that Mary union <laughs> come to fruition, uh, but we are very glad uh, to be joined by Ellie. How are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing okay, and I will say as an aside, I would have loved to share a week with Marilyn so that this podcast would be half me talking about Penn State and half me hating on Marilyn. Well, we already had the Rutgers edition with one of our basketball podcasts, which um, it's just wonderful when we can have, you know, we we speak like Michigan hate is not niche hate, you know? I'm a big fan of niche hate, like Rutgers basketball hate. That's good stuff. Indeed. That's something distributed especially widely, so you got to take it when you can get it. So the story of Penn State's overall 7-6 and six season last year after a 5-0 and start, I think really comes down to a couple of things. And honestly, at this point in B1G 2022, it's been a little bit of a theme, which is if you have problems 
with cohesion and quality on the offensive line and you have quarterback injuries, there just are not many teams nationally, let alone in the conference that can withstand those issues and produce a quality offense. And that was what we saw with Penn state Um, did not have a single 100 yard rusher last season, despite a deep stable of running backs, perhaps in part because of the deep stable of running backs, a little bit of a tendency to rotate, but it's an offensive line that has underperformed for the last few years. Sean Clifford, once again, spent a pretty good part of the season injured. Although to his credit, he played through it. Um, Jahan Dotson, of course, was an absolute stud. His unfortunate reward for that is that he has to play for the Washington Commanders now. Uh, but that being said, there was plenty of talent on this offense, probably somewhat less than the sum of its parts, though. We were just talking about uh, a, a graph I saw which from the draw play, which was NFL owners on an XY axis of dumb to smart and evil to less evil. And the very corner of most evil and most dumb, Dan Snyder. So good luck, Jahan Dotson. At four years and he's on his player option, and then he could hold out and go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about that other than hope he doesn't get injured in between now and then. Yeah, man. Hey, Washington's checks will fill the bank account just as well. And since yep. the rookie scale is all on the same wages... Money would have been the same if he'd been drafted by another team in the same spot. And honestly, their offense really should be decent. Um, he doesn't have to be a number one right away or anything. Uh, so anyway, in terms of the offense, it, as has been the case for the most part in the non-Saquon Barkley, James Franklin era, kind of went as the passing game went. Um, Dotson was by far the biggest part of that, but they had a decent second option in Parker Washington, which is actually why I'm relatively bullish on the Penn State offense this year. And they've replaced number one guys in the past. You know, KJ Hamler had his one huge season. He was gone. And then it was Dotson, who at the time was a relative unknown himself, who stepped forward and was perfectly capable. Earlier, they had, you know, deeper stables. They had, you know, Deshaun Hamilton and Chris Godwin at the same time, which is crazy to think about. Um, no wonder they ended up getting a Big Ten title out of that era. But Parker Washington, I think, is going to be is one of the more under-the-radar players in the whole conference, uh, figures to get that target share that they usually have for their number one option. Plenty of options in the tight end group, but they really didn't use any of them the same way they did with Pat Fryermuth or Gesicki before him. And the hope, obviously, would be that the running game, there's going to be a few different faces. They still have keep only, I believe but cycling a few other guys out and they'll see if they can find something better on the ground. I think the, the running game, first of all, um, it can't get any worse than what it did. Um, I'll try to hit on all the points in one, in one breath, but uh, they do have Nick Singleton who um, he has not run for a yard just yet. So I'm not going to make the comparison, but I'm going to be that guy that says people are making the comparison to Saquon Barkley because he came in January, and he's already turning heads. And there's there's actually, um, because Singleton commands so much attention, uh, no one's talking about Catron Allen, who was there's the number one running back and then the number 10 running back right behind him in the same class. So I think unlike last season where they had um, a ton of talent at running back, Noah Kane was hurt, and it was 
abundantly clear that he just didn't recover or at least didn't recover in time. Hopefully he does well at LSU. So he was, he ran pretty um, uh, hesitant in when he was in, which then took time away from Kevon Lee, who by the end of the year, you know, was doing what we expected of him. But now Kevon Lee has two top 20 running backs behind him who are going to take time. And I wouldn't be surprised if Singleton um, is, is starting by the end of the season, if not sooner. Um, on the receiver side, that's another piece where they, it, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, because there's this name that's taken all of the headlines in Dotson, not many people are talking about Parker Washington, but also not any, not many people are talking about Keandre Lambert-Smith, who had, in his own right, a pretty good season because he didn't really drop any balls that came his way. Um, and then Malik Mega, kind of near the end of the season as well, started coming in. So you might see him do some work. And then, of course, there's Mitchell Tinsley, who transferred in from Western Kentucky. And he already has 1,400 yards last season to his name on, I think, 85 catches. So if anything, Tinsley can get some of that production that we lost from, um, from Dotson right away without having to get someone else to kind of get into the groove of things. And, I mean, there's, there's the, there are the two elephants in the room left when it comes to the offense, right? Um, there is the offensive line that, in years past, uh, the lines haven't been world beaters, um, but the difference was that they were able to keep teams honest with the running game, and then you know open up things with the passing game. But when you when you can't run, and your line can't keep your quarterback upright, that spells a lot of trouble. Speaking of quarterback, a lot of people hate Sean Clifford. I don't. And I'm going to make this point until my face turns blue or someone shoots me because they're sick of hearing it. This is the first time in Clifford's entire career where he's going to have um, offensive coordinator two years in a row. So in 2022, he's not going to be learning a new offense. He's going to be fixing all the mistakes that the offense made in 2021. So, I I know I'm not expecting a Kenny Pickett like uh, blow up in um, in 2022, but if Penn State gets the Clifford from games one to five, that's good enough. And of course, if the line can keep him right and you know not get him injured this time around, that might be good enough to get back to ten wins. So yeah, in your opinion, um, I guess do you think? Because I don't know if I ever asked you about this. Do you think that they they that Sean Clifford was absolutely not prepared to play as far as injury his injury status was concerned against Illinois, but they didn't think they'd need him at 100 percent or to play the whole game? Because as I was watching that game, I know that, like I've been watching Penn State and I th- and that was after you know the very first lug nut had fallen off the first wheel in the Penn State season. And I remember watching Clifford thinking, like, does not look remotely like the same guy. Um, so 
take this with a grain of salt, but from the insider's information that I have gathered, what happened was something along the lines of Christian Video is at the time a true freshman. They want to preserve the red shirt. They don't want to throw the poor guy into the wolves. Meanwhile, it's become abundantly clear that the Quan Robertson should not be playing for a major Division One football team. So you end up with a situation where you risk having your true freshman quarterback um, injured as well as your starter, or you get your starter to kind of bite the bullet and you know take another beating. So they went with option number two. Yeah, because because Clifford had looked very efficient through a five-game winning streak that you know saw um, just one of the more hideous games I remember seeing in recent memory against Wisconsin, but still a win, uh, decisive whipping of Ball State, um, turning back Auburn, Fetty whopping Villanova, shutting out Indiana, and then getting all the way to the end of the game against Iowa, and then uh, things started to go downhill. I mean. Where would you say the turning point was and why was it P.J. Mustafer's injury? I mean, I don't even really need to answer the, the why, but yeah, it really does seem like like that was an absolutely devast- a singularly devastating blow. But I remember, it was not real. It was fake. He's just really <laughs> good at faking it that he was out for the whole he season. He was so committed to the bit. Just got us, got to finish the cell. He got to finish the drill as it were. Um, but you know, the thing is, although Mustafer was a big loss, it's not like the offense or the defense rather fell off a cliff after he was hurt. Uh, and granted some of the offenses Penn state played down the pipe, not exactly world beaters, but they, I mean, they gave up 33 to Ohio state, but that's going to happen in a game against Ohio State, probably one of the Buckeyes' lower point outputs of the season, and then ended up giving up 30 to MSU in a blizzard at the end of the year, but shut out Rutgers, um, allowed 14 to Maryland, 21 to Michigan in a loss. Uh, It's not like the defense really fell off the cliff, and that is the side of the ball where Penn State's consistently excellent recruiting has translated into pretty consistent results. So much so, in fact, that defensive coordinator Brent Pry ended up getting the head coaching job at Virginia Tech. So now you're going to have a new coordinator on that side of the ball. Um, as always, quite a bit of turnover with the NFL draft. Um, Daquan Brisker, Arnold Abiquetti, Brandon Smith, Jesse Luketa, and Tariq Castrofields are all gone just from the defense. But plenty of returning talent. Um, the linebacker group is definitely probably the biggest question mark. Um, they do return Mustafer. They have a couple other reasonably experienced guys who haven't had big roles like Nick Tarburton. Um, of course, we mentioned dunking on Maryland earlier. This is where you get to talk about swiping their best pass rushing prospect in uh, Damian Chop Robinson, um, who, again, I that feels like it's going to be a huge loss for a Maryland defense that really needs a pass rusher, which, you know, a Maryland defense that really needed a pass rush. But anyway, we talked about that last week with our Maryland contributors, uh, Steve and myself. So uh, linebacking group outside of Curtis Jacobs, not a lot of experience. It'll be interesting to see how they go, you know, mixing veterans who have not played much with younger guys who may have more of a ceiling, for example, um, 
John Sunderland versus a guy like Jamari Budin. That's always a kind of a philosophical choice. There's probably not going to be a whole lot of difference if the veterans were good enough to play. They likely would have forced their way onto the field before now. So plenty of choices. Um, in the secondary, it'll be Joey Porter Jr., who I believe is another kind of favorite target of the fan base. As the number one corner, you're going to get thrown at a lot. That just kind of happens. Um, Jair Brown, probably the next prominent safety in the secondary. And they'll have a few other new pieces. But again, they've recruited at a high enough level that you can expect the defense to be pretty good, even with a new coordinator in place, as long as he doesn't start over in terms of structure. That's actually the the really interesting bit about hiring uh, Manny Diaz as DC. The, his defenses and Brent Price are, are two sides of the same coin. Um, so I actually don't think much will change in terms of scheme. Um, we'll probably see actually a lot more aggressiveness from the defense based on what DS has said so far. Which I mean, I don't even I didn't I, I didn't know that Penn State's defense could get any more aggressive, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but I to to like to answer the previous question, I think the the turning point, right, um, was indeed like you could see in the sideline when Clifford went down, there was like the air came out, and when Roberson used his one rehearsed drive that led to a field goal all went well, but then he actually had to command an offense. And, you know, it was 17-3 and they were at midfield when Clifford went down. Like it could have recently been 24-3 at that point and game's over. Um, But, you know. Yeah, especially uh, against Iowa's offense. Yeah. You know, I mean, Purdue did it and that's exactly what happened. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I think the the defense. I don't expect too big of a drop off. I mean, yeah, Penn State lost. Like, if the bowl game was any indication, right? Half the half those same departures were all gone for the bowl game, with the exception um, of I think there was one person who played. I forgot who. Uh, but regardless, right? Arkansas did whatever they wanted on the ground which doesn't bode well for a conference that um likes to run the ball but we get um Penn State gets Mustafa back Adisa Isaac actually who was supposed to start last season um is coming back so that's a that's a great boost as well um their the linebacker situation is indeed concerning I hope they um get a transfer or two between now and cam. I would not be surprised uh, if it doesn't happen, but um, Penn State plays another nickel now. Um, so, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of um, two linebacker sets in, in 2022 if, uh, if things aren't going as expected. Um, but, other than that, actually, like, I'm not that concerned about the defense. Everyone either um, has enough anchors coming back or enough experience that um, if they can figure out the linebacker situation, because I'm not 
exactly thrilled about Sutherland um, actually starting at linebacker. But, you know, Kobe King um, showed that he belongs in the in the time he had to, you know, burn his redshirt. But in the games that he played, he showed that he's going to be a good one. And you already mentioned Curtis Jacobs. So there there is something to work with there. I'm excited to see what it turns into come September 1st. Um, but but like the defense is 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 not a concern for me. I, I don't expect it to be um, as good um, as as it was last season, but I don't think it's going to be that much worse. Yeah. Well, and if you really want to tell the story of the last season without just going into trying to create a narrative like hacky sports writers, what you could also say is that they lost four games to teams that at the time were very highly ranked. You look at their <laughs> – their uh, schedule at, at number three, Iowa at Ohio state at, at home against big 10 champ, Michigan, and then at Michigan state to, to fill it out. And then they just weren't playing teams that were that good when they were on their five game winning streaks. And then somewhere in there, one of the more ponderous home losses in recent memory, but ultimately probably, you know, an eight and four team that had a bit of a head scratcher. Um, one of the better eight and four teams. Um, but you know, lost to the two teams that dueled for the, for the comp for the division title. Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, even after their starting quarterback has an injury that he was able to play through, but clearly limited his effectiveness and also losing the anchor of their run defense. Look at their losses, three points to Iowa, two to Illinois, albeit in extremely hilarious fashion, um, nine points to Ohio state, which I think took a late score from Ohio state to get to that margin four points to Michigan, three points to Michigan State, and then the bowl game with half their defense sitting out, they lost by two scores, but... Um, well, in that Michigan not- game, it was just two kicks that could have done it. They missed some yep. kicks in that game. They had a yep. bunch of special teams misused. It did produce what I have to say is quickly becoming one of my favorite gifts in recent Big Ten memory, which is just Franklin looking at the field and going, fuck, man, fucking... God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there are certain words that are much easier to read on TV than others. And that was certainly an example. Fuck, man. Of it, fucking. But, yeah. God. <laughs> and hey, very understandable sentiment, to be honest. But yeah. And then, like, of those teams, as you mentioned, Iowa was number three, Ohio State was number five, Michigan number six, Michigan State number 12. Only um, one of those teams was an actual fraud, Iowa. Right. And, and as, here's as the thing, right? Out. Yeah. Here's the thing. When you lose clothes, you you kind of spend all of this time, which I try not to do, but like, you know, human beings, you spend all this time thinking about all of the things that if you just switch one of them, turn out to be different, right? Michigan State, if they don't botch that fourth down conversion, they win, period. Michigan. If they simply go for it instead of trying to fake field goal, they win. Or, or if you want to be a, a more realistic one, if these two defenders don't run into each other, leaving the tight end to simply walk into the end zone, they win. Ohio State, if you don't give them seven points in a fumble recovery, well, I'm not going to say they win, but it's more interesting. And we've yeah. already gone over Iowa, right? Like, so it's nothing you could have done about the Illinois one, though. I will say that. <laughs> no, there's, there's, I mean, 
I could probably come up with three on that one, but the hilarity of that game makes it so that I don't even want to because you know you say only we, only three and nine overtimes in a game that still hit the under. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it, it's it's weird because obviously I know there's a certain temptation to say that you essentially won these games. But no, they didn't. They, they still <laughs> lost. They still lost. But I uh, guess yep. what that means yeah. to me is that like there are people who who may believe that because of the last two seasons, there's no way that Penn State can do well in 2022. Meanwhile, what I see is a team that you know they'll have to replace a lot of pieces on the defense, but most of the offense returns. A lot of the people who were injured, fake or not return and they already played the top of the big 10 pretty well all things considered they could do well in 2022 will they we'll find out i would expect but they could um yeah anyone who would take the tack that you mentioned which is all right they've had underwhelming results in the win-loss the last two seasons maybe they've lost it maybe franklin's not a good game day coach or whatever um, they're still by a considerable margin, the closest team to Ohio state in terms of talent. They're the team that plays Ohio state, the closest on a consistent basis. Yes. Michigan fans. I know you beat them for the first time in a decade. Um, what to do. They, it, they are, they have, by. it will be surprising if they're not the number one contender, you know, by the end of September, I think that'll be apparent whether they actually have what it takes to get over the hill against Ohio state or hold off a of Michigan or Michigan state, who knows, but they certainly have the talent to do it. Um, what I would say to cl- kind of close the loop on the defense thing, having seen Manny Diaz's last Miami team, when MSU played them last year. Uh, yeah, it is going to be aggressive. Uh, he's going to blitz linebackers and all kinds of exotic formations. And you're going to have to hope that he picked up the ability last season to recognize when the offense has that figured out. Uh, Cause that wasn't the case against MSU. And after a quarter and a half or so of really running the game, um, MSU changed their approach and completely figured him out and he didn't change anything. Um, so when it's working, it works real good. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It's like, Oh yeah, we're beating the crap out of their quarterback. We're doing all these cool blitzes. But there is a counterpunch to that, and at least in the one-game sample that I saw of him last year, he wasn't so great at figuring out when the opponent had had picked up his fastball, so to speak. So we mentioned uh, on a few occasions a few of the new players coming in. Nick Singleton, the top running back in the entire class, figures to be at least a part of the rotation. It's going to be an interesting situation, so... Uh, Clifford, I believe, is taking his COVID year of eligibility now um, such that he will be gone for sure after this year. That's going to make it very tempting to play Drew Aller, uh, a five-star quarterback coming into this class. So they, what they saw from view in the Rutgers game last year, you could conclude that maybe he's the guy who's going to get that opportunity. And then despite having a lot of experienced bodies on the defensive line, I have to think Danny Dennis Sutton is going to get onto the field immediately. Another five-star player. Uh, It's a very good recruiting class top to bottom 13 other blue chip players other than those three guys I've already mentioned. But as you talked about earlier, Ellie, probably the most impactful newcomer in terms of this season's team is going to be 
uh, Mitchell Tinsley, a slot receiver from Western Kentucky, previously at Houston Baptist, came over with that whole like offensive unit that they brought in basically and had that extremely thrilling um, air rate attack last season. So because let's bear in mind, he's going to play a different role at, at Penn State than he did there. He had a quarterback in Bailey's after that threw 63 touchdowns. We're not going to see. No, but I'm also thinking back to one day, Sean Hamilton, who I believe had a season where he topped 100 receptions at Penn State. Ellie, perhaps correct me on that if I'm wrong. But 105, I think it was. Today. Yeah, so it, it's, it would not be unheard of, even with that being said. Well, no, I don't think I can say that because – if you remember, Hamilton played with some other really talented guys. So if Tinsley One steps Chris into that Donald role, and yeah, another then, <laughs> right, then maybe you get maybe you get a situation where you've got this collection of weapons. Tinsley is the high volume chain moving guy. Godwin is more of the or Washington playing the Godwin role. And then you would need one of, again, a number of very talented tight ends who just didn't see the same volume. You could recreate that Trace McSorley era offense pretty reasonably if Nick Singleton lives up to his billing. Um, also got a Juco import on the offensive line who could help solidify them there. The top-ranked Juco offensive lineman in the country in the person of J.B. Nelson. So if you're looking for immediate offensive line help, it's usually pretty difficult, but that could be helpful. There's also um, Hunter Nozard from uh, Cornell. Yes, which that's true. when the, the last time we um, uh, Penn State dipped into the Ivy League well for an offensive lineman, it uh, it, it turned out okay. It wasn't great, but you know, having a uh, an allegedly smart person to to come and play in time and through the line, that's never bad. Now people say Cornell's not a real Ivy, but you know, they say it is. <laughs> So we, uh, we leave such discussions for you East Coast folk. We here in the Midwest only know about public ivies. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm not going to, I'm not going to indulge fans of those schools by listing any who refer to themselves as such. Anyway, to turn to the schedule, there's actually what I think is going to be a very interesting trivia point. So everyone make a mental note of this Uh, Penn state's first game of the year this year, a road trip to Purdue on a Thursday, which in and of itself wouldn't be especially noteworthy, but it's my understanding that ESPN sent this game to Fox as part of the deal to get Fox to let Joe Buck and Troy Aikman come over to Monday night football. (laughs) So the broadcast rights to this game is what Fox received in exchange for letting a hall of fame broadcasting duo 
go over to ESPN. <laughs> so hope it's a good game because throw Fox in Penn State at Purdue on a Thursday and you've got <laughs> and yourself you a got deal. a deal. <laughs> and so they do. And it, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if they actually moved the day because of that, if Fox requested that or if it was already going to be a Thursday, but I remember First of all, when I was writing this up, I was like, wait, I know something weird about that game. What is it? And I couldn't figure it. It took me like half an hour to remember. I was like, wait just a second. I feel like this wasn't supposed to be a Fox game. Why do I know that? And from there, yeah. Uh, It was originally (laughs) scheduled for Saturday. um, But I think because um, Fox lost um, Thursday Night Football, Yes, they're trying to test college Thursday night football, and what better way to do that than to steal Penn State at Purdue? Of all the games they could have had, <laughs> Penn State at Purdue is the one that they want to play at night on a Thursday, because Purdue doesn't already do some voodoo magic at night at home to teams that right. are alleged. So now uh, we at least have... Penn State's not going to be number two when they go. Right, out. I was going to say, just make sure you're not ranked in the top five, and you'll be fine. <laughs> right. So, so now the Big Twelve is turning into the Big Ten. The ACC is turning into the Big Twelve. We have Maryland and play on Thursdays. We're turning into the ACC. Maybe that means Michigan State hockey can become Boston College. That would be pretty cool. Uh, it's not going to happen. It's going to be a long time before we're good again. <sighs> but the Big Ten has opened the season on Thursday for a while now, right? Well, hold on I remember now. that Ohio State-Indiana game being on a Thursday night, and that was a, well, at least five years ago. So the problem there is your game on that Thursday does not actually open the season. That would be the new new game in Ireland in week zero. So you're the second Big Ten game of the season. <laughs> Despite playing on a Thursday, you're not even the opener. Um, Goddamn week zero. <laughs> God, because it's going to be a lot of games, uh, going to be a lot of Big Ten games played before Saturday of week one. Yeah, because then there's the Friday night game, correct, with Illinois and Indiana. So, yeah. Uh, who knows? I might, actually, I might actually be able to watch most of the games that first week. And have some idea what's going on. All right. So uh, to carry on with the rest of the schedule, a couple of home sacrifices, um, Ohio and Central Michigan, neither of them likely to be a serious challenge to Penn State. Uh, the highlight of the non-conference season is the return trip to Auburn. That's going to be an afternoon kick in September in Alabama. Yeah, everyone always says it's going to be hot, going to be difficult. Uh, Auburn, that, that's assuming, of course, that by week three, Auburn has its fired Brian Harson. Which I mean, talk about a Could spiritual happen. successor to Gus Malzahn. Like, he has, shit. he has, he has been. He's on. He's Schrodinger's coach in the sense of you never know if he's actually fired or not. At, at That's their only similarities, though. He's certainly yeah, not that much. good. No, he's not that good. He doesn't. Cut, cut, he doesn't call an interesting offense at all. And by all means, he's he's also not easy to get along with. That was at least what people always said about Malzahn was he was at least very easygoing. Well, and you could also say. <laughs> Look at all these times that he got close to national titles and also beat Nick Saban. Brian Harson is entering year two. Yeah. Yeah. And he's already got <laughs> as much baggage as Gus Malzahn, if not more. Like more baggage. Yeah. More baggage more. for sure. Yeah. Because oh, he, I mean, he, nev- he was never the OC for a national title team for Auburn. So he doesn't exactly have that cachet with any of the fans there. 
Um, in fairness to him, he did come this close to beating Bama in his first year. Yeah. <laughs> but as we yeah. just discussed, close doesn't count. It is neither right. horseshoes nor hand grenades. Yeah. Um, so from there, it's actually a pretty reasonable conference schedule. Uh, Penn State this year has five home games. So because they open with that road game at Purdue, a lot of home games after the first few weeks. Um, They have Michigan on the road, but Michigan State and Ohio State at home in terms of the big division games, the crossovers, uh, Northwestern and Minnesota at home, Purdue, as we mentioned, on the road. It's probably not bad. I mean, you, you avoid Iowa, avoid Wisconsin. I think Minnesota and Purdue are going to be in the picture. And I've, I've picked Nebraska to win the West as irrational as that sounds. I'm going to stick with it. I still think they're the most talented team in the West and a team that you probably do want to avoid if only because you know, the game's going to be close. Um, They may still do something dumb to lose the game to you, but anyway, a schedule that probably lines up about as favorably as it can. Um, No particularly brutal stretches. I guess you could say, you know, October there's Northwestern, then the bye. And then a three-game stretch of at Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. That's reasonably tough. I mean, you know, Minnesota can be a little bit of a ball of knives if they get their run game going. But again, it's probably about the toughest three-game stretch you've got. Um, I think if if Penn State I – mean, the Auburn game doesn't really matter, right? You can lose that game. doesn't hurt your conference standing. doesn't really hurt your national title picture if you win out. The road game at Michigan is the one that's going to be the test early. Who knows what Michigan is going to be given the turnover on their defense. But if they get past that, you have to imagine that that Halloween weekend, they're going to be hosting Ohio State undefeated, which means you're going to burn your whiteout spot on that game. And I won't have to worry about it being against Michigan State. Actually, the whiteout game is against Minnesota because Fox (laughs) does not like the whiteout, I guess. Um, effectively, the Ohio State is going to be a big nude kickoff, and whiteouts at noon <laughs> don't don't really work. So they've already yeah. announced that Ohio State is going to be the stripe out, and Minnesota's the whiteout. But you know what? That's fine. The yeah. last time, yeah. the last time Penn State played Minnesota, that was that controversial offensive pass. What is it with Minnesota <laughs> and getting offensive pass interference calls to help them? Are you are you suggesting that Minnesota might not be prepared for whiteout conditions? I mean, the spirit of Dilly Bardan is requesting to enter the chat. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you've got Northwestern Minnesota. You know that they're going to be Big Ten West teams, which means that you're going to cut to a shot of the coach just like staring into the distance with the shades on as the clock like ticks down with the team on offense. And it's two one. And then you're going to play like really tough defense and it's going to be like, it's going to be over in two and a half hours. Yeah. Which is great. But I, I will say, um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Sharaka is, is better for Minnesota because I can, I, I will tell you this, if I don't have to watch another Penn state offense that takes 25 minutes to do absolutely goddamn nothing. <laughs> I yeah. will die a happy well, man. Well, yeah, he belongs in the Big Ten West. Like, I don't know what you guys were thinking. Right. I don't Big either. Because in the Big Ten East, to win a game, you occasionally have to throw the ball, and that's just not his style. So, no, he is very much back where he belongs. 
Um, so anyway, I will uh, say about the schedule overall, yeah. um, it the the teams, with the exception of Northwestern, of course, um, the teams are the same as the previous iteration of the schedule, but the order in which they play now, it's a lot more manageable. They used the, um, the original 2022 schedule had Ohio State at Michigan, Illinois at uh, Michigan State. So you play the big three in the East, almost back to back to back to back with Illinois sandwich in between. That's not that good. Now there's at least more separation in, um, between the, the big three. And, you know, Michigan State is back where it belongs as the last game of the season. Um, so, so I'm happy about that. I will, if, if you may, I, I will rant just a little bit about the fact that Penn State has opened Big Ten season on the road for the past seven straight seasons. Really? And they open on the road for the next five seasons. <laughs> that's so odd. I wonder. That's bizarre. I didn't know that. Huh. So if they rework the schedules moving forward, please, for the love of all things holy, give Penn State a home game to open Big Ten season. Well, we know Just they're going. They've they've all but confirmed that they're going to be moving away from divisions. It sounds like after four twenty three or after twenty three, but relatively soon. They're going to be moving away from the division schedule. I believe they've confirmed that, unless I'm totally well, look, making that up. Look, they said they're going to rework. They're, they're going to say they're going to rework the, the structure, but we don't know if what that means is they're going to get rid of divisions or they're going to redo the divisions. Now, with the ACC basically moving towards that direction, with the SEC implying that they will as well, and with the Pac-12 having already done it, I don't see yeah. why the Big Ten would but you know it's the big 10 so well look traditions what i'm I'm observing here is that it seems like the land grant ball game trophy contest with a q is under unprecedented attack here and it needs as many advocates as we can get to make sure that we can defend it to the death just need to play for my damn bowling trophy on thanksgiving i don't know why that's so hard for people to understand I'm just saying, Penn State has played Michigan State at the end of the season for almost all 27 years they've been in the conference. Don't mess with that. Just, just, just leave it. Leave it. Leave it as it is. Just leave it as it is. Yeah, man. And I think it, I think it pairs pretty well. You have um, the game at noon, and then you pair it with the other two games of note in the afternoon, Wisconsin, Minnesota. And for those folks who actually like to watch for offenses, those who celebrate. Michigan, <laughs> for those Michigan celebrate. Yes. Have a happy, <laughs> happy land grant trophy to those who celebrate. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and of course it's, it's, it's also Hatter day, which is not a word I think I've ever used before. What's wrong with me? Okay. Hatter day and also bucket game. Um, there's, there's, Different different strokes for different folks to be sure that weekend of Thanksgiving. Um, what you can be sure of is, except for the land grant and the game, most of those other games are going to be poorly attended. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, all that being said, I, 
I don't see any reason not to be more optimistic for Penn State this year because there's a couple things that remain true. One is the talent level is very high, and the other is they're a college football team that returns an experienced starting quarterback. Those are two big legs up on most of their competition. Well, not to Alarm, mention yeah. returning an offensive coordinator. I mean, yeah, with a very talented team that can make so so big a difference Although, when you have some continuity. We do actually have remarkable quarterback carryover, at least in the Big Ten East. Uh, depending on, well, I mean, Indiana's going to have a new guy no matter what they do, but depending on what Rutgers does, you could have six out of the seven teams with the same quarterback they had last year. Which is not to say the play is going to be good overall, but at least it's the same. Um, all right. You can so, at least expect Tolia Tongavaloa to throw multiple interceptions in at least one game. That's that we know. Whatever the most important game is, is when that's going to happen. Whenever it looks like Maryland might like interject themselves in the conversation, that's when he's going to have a disaster game. Otherwise, it's not so going to be Michigan. good. So, uh, probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, okay, so we'll change gears and talk about what, for the first time in a while, was actually, well, I can't say a while because the, the, going into the pandemic season, they had another good season, but uh, Penn State basketball, year one under Micah Shrewsbury, we're having kind of a similar conversation here that we had with our good buddy Buff Komodo back in Indiana week, which is that, hey, I'm near one under this new coach. Uh, it could have gone worse, right? It could have gone worse. Um, convinced, should have gone worse. Yeah, should have gone. Yeah, for sure. Um, convinced a number of Keystone players from the previous staff to stick around after they entered the portal when their previous coach was fired. Um, and then they considerably overachieved in what most people wrote off as a culture building season, which is code for they're going to win three or four conference games. Um, no, got to seven and 13 in conference, which is not bad at all. Um, and it could have been considerably better. I, I'm going to rattle off a long list here. Penn State had conference losses by seven points to Purdue, five to Ohio State, two at Wisconsin, one versus Michigan, six at Minnesota, six at Maryland, five at Illinois, and one at Rutgers. And now it's true that six of their seven conference wins were also by seven points or fewer. But what that tells you is that overall, Penn State was playing a ton of very competitive games, despite the fact that going into the season, most people did not think this roster had all that much talent. Yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised. And um, you might be surprised to know that I happen to be a very optimistic Penn State fan, probably more optimistic than a Penn State fan should be, if you know the fan base. Oh, we have coined. Yeah, we had you on during the season. Like finding a Penn State basketball contributor during basketball season is normally a very difficult thing, but no. Well, the, the, the but way even that I, I was surprised at how well coached the team looked on on a season that like we all threw away right like none of us believed with our with our minds like our hearts maybe but like with our brains none of us actually thought that Penn State was going to be that competitive and the fact that they were leads me to believe that like Penn State actually hired a good coach which, you know, they don't do that very often. Yeah, it sure feels like they did. Um, let us see. Say that... Sorry, let, I just want to no, see no. if this is accurate. Uh, just to give some context for what this season really meant. Uh, 
I'm getting the sense that your emotions when, um, oh my God, who even was that guy? Pat Chambers was, yes. uh, was canned. And given given the timing and the circumstances leading to that departure, usually a culture-destroying kind of thing and one that then is an odd time of the year that then you miss out on some of the stuff that you usually go through. There's this, there's this gif I really like of a, of a Jacksonville Jaguars fan after they've allowed a touchdown to go down <laughs> like a big – and he's just, he's just laughing and kind of like shrugging, pointing at the scoreboard, just like, I mean, like, I don't know, like, what – I, what why, what am I, I doing here? And, yeah. and even, like, why am I even here? Like, well, 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 I mean, I guess now we're just going to suck and lose everything now. Like, what, what does any of this even matter? This is just all I can do is laugh, right? Is it fair to say that that's kind of where you were when you lost Pat Chambers, right when his team seemed to be really hitting its stride and you finally built like a team that was going to finish a season ranked and then suddenly, oh, got nothing now in the middle of the yeah. offseason. Yeah, you know what? I'm laughing to keep from crying, right? (laughs) I think my issue, I would have felt like that. I would have felt like that if not for the reason why they had to let him go. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, well, well, yeah, well, obviously, but, you know, how much of that did, did you have suspicions? Um, I honestly didn't. Yeah. I so so I'd heard rumblings that he was an asshole, which you're um call a, a, I mean, a yeah. coach at a big time program, right? You have to be an asshole. Yeah. But I didn't realize that he was uh, uh racially ignorant because I think that's the that's the problem when if you read into what actually happened, racial insensitivity might be too much because he didn't actually intend. Which you know, it doesn't matter. Intent doesn't well, just, matter, right? But like, it's he that, crossed the asshole shit. event horizon for yeah. for yeah. It's college like sports. what he did was so dumb, and he kept doubling down. And like when you thought that he'd already dug seven feet deep, he just kept digging. So like you you just you can't, especially at a place like Penn State, you know, with its history, you just can't tolerate that. So it was more for me. Like in July, when the things happened, I kind of figured, yeah, this is not going to end well. So I had I had between July and October when he actually got let go to to come to terms with the fact that just Penn State can't have nice things. So the fact that they managed to get a nice thing is what, you know, has me so surprised. And, you know, yeah, seven and 13 and ultimately losing season at 14 and 17 is nothing to write home about right but but it's also you know, not a ticket straight back to hell which yeah. is what you had every right to expect <laughs> you'd be getting when yeah. you had to fire this guy and i mean consider uh, also yes. that starting again starting from a place where because of the interim year the talent level had just stagnated but still penn state performed considerably better than scott frost who recruits a lot better than Penn State has the last couple of years. And Chris Collins, who's had several years in place at his institution and achieved their school's best season ever. Um, Shrewsbury has already vaulted in front of both of those guys. So substantively, there are a couple of losses here. Um, Arm Day legend John Hara is out of eligibility. Uh, also, ASMR legend Sam Sesums transferring out. Um, 
transferring in, there's Cameron Winter from Drexel, basically to replace Sessons at the point. Um, Andrew Funk, a shooting guard from Bucknell, and Michael Henn from Denver, a power forward. Um, I had no idea Denver fielded a basketball team, but there you go. Um, bringing in five freshmen as well. Uh, not really the kind of guys that you expect to be huge impact players right away. Um, the best player would probably be center Keva Njie with, you know, Hera leaving, they're going to need him to play and play right away. Uh, and so because of Hera stepping out, Demetrius Lilly is probably the other guy that you're likely to see as a true freshman. Other guys are more developmental players. And in terms of offense, they do have probably their two best scorers, Jalen Pickett and Seth Lundy, both back you figure they're both going to get, you know, 14 to 17 shots a game next year. That would be what I think the best offense they have looks like. Uh, But yeah, overall, no denying that. Yes, it was the culture building season you want, but they got more done on the floor in terms of results. Um, A considerable in um, miles dread, who I didn't know this until near the end of the season. He actually played with a bad shoulder. Um, so he got off-season shoulder surgery. So hopefully his uh, threes actually, actually his threes fell at a pretty good clip. He went forty-three percent, um, yeah. a very yeah. quiet forty-three percent. He just didn't take as many shots. Um, and then um, Dalian Johnson developing late is actually good news as well because that means Penn State doesn't have to throw the freshman guards um, into the fire. And yeah, um, yeah. So so I expect Hen to be that that kind of addition that, you know, he's not going to be the next John Hare. No one is going to be. But he's going to be the guy who makes it so that uh, both Keva or Demetrius don't have to start from day one. And, you know, the other thing that has to be said about the Big Ten next year is, especially in terms of a conference's front courts, it's going to be a reloading season. Like you've got Hunter Dickinson back at Michigan, Zach Eady back at Purdue, other than that, a lot of the bigs who have been beating up on weaker front courts are gone. Um, there will probably be another wave of guys, but they're all going to be young. So it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be as big of a problem as it usually is in the Big Ten if you don't have proven front court guys, just massive, you know, 7-foot, 6'10 guys. This might be a year where you can get away with that with bringing your front court guys along a little more slowly. Overall, very impressive first year for Micah Shrewsbury. Um, if he was, if his guys ran out there in the candy stripes warmups, I think he'd be getting every bit as much of attention this year as Mike Woodson is at Indiana. Oh, I, I, I'm a Penn State fan. I can't handle attention, so I, <laughs> I, 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 I prefer to 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 stay under the radar and just you know let us let us let us build into this whole expectations thing. We pessimism is you know part of us. Oh, you can try. <laughs> But off tackle Empire Senpai is looking at you. So try not to blush. And yeah, <laughs> on that very, very appropriate note, uh, I think that about concludes our scheduled programming here for Penn State Week. We thank everybody out there for joining us. Um, Ellie, thank you as well. Any final thoughts as we sign off here? Thanks for having me. Um, I, I love doing these. And uh, fuck both Maryland and Rutgers. Don't even have to share a week with them. As for me, the off-tackle ASMR consultant, the sudden separation of Sam Sessoms makes me sad.
source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle.